glad the year doesn't go quite that fast. Sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? Sometimes you look back and go, whoa, where did 2019 go? It was like it was just here. We were just ringing it in, and now we're getting ready to put the clothes on this chapter of our lives. You know, the first day of 2020 lies before you. And my question is, what do you see? What do you see as you look toward 2020? Do you see a repeat of 2019, which may have been a repeat of 2018, which may have been a repeat of 2017, and on and on? Is that what you see? Or do you see a fresh batch of 365 days into which that you can take a risk, into which you can try something new? Is it a batch of days, perhaps, where you feel like you can make a difference, where you can live with purpose and intentionality? Here's something I know. God is already in 2020. And then that sounds weird probably to say, but we understand that God is timeless. He's eternal. That means he lives outside of our space and time. That means within the the reach of his hand and his knowledge and wisdom, he already is in 2020. He's there. And here's what I know about God. He is already at work in the possibilities, in the potentials, in the purposes, and yes, even the problems that await you in 2020. Remember, he's the one who said these words, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. These aren't on the screen, so just hear me out. He knows the plans that he has for you for the coming year. Remember also, he's the one who said, all the days ordained for you were written in my book before one of them came to be. That was Psalm 139, where David recognized God's hand throughout all of time. In essence, God is inviting you then to join him in 2020. He invites you to start something new this year. I have a hunch that God's not inviting you to repeat 2019. I just have a hunch. I have a hunch he's saying, I've got something new for you waiting out here. If you will live with intention and look to me, there is something new there. So will you accept his invitation? Will you say, God, I I choose to walk with you into 2020? Or will you pilot yourself through this next year? Make decisions based on what you feel is best without consulting his direction and wisdom for your life. The Bible speaks about this. In fact, in Isaiah 48, 17, the prophet says this on behalf of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. Who knows what's best for you? Is it you? Sometimes we think we do, right? But I tell you what, I've messed myself up a few times. Haven't you done the same? He says, I know what is best for you. I'm the one who directs you in the way that you should go. Isaiah had to say this to a people who were turning away from God, who were going their own way, to remind them, no, it's God who calls the shots. He's the one who knows what's best. Even if we think we have our best interest in mind, so often we don't if we're not aligning our intentions and purposes with God. Jeremiah, the other prophet, says this in 1023, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. You might think that you're the boss of your life, and to a degree, you have to take responsibility for who you are, but your life is not your own. 
In fact, Jesus furthered that statement and basically said, I bought you with a price. And that price was my own life. And as your Lord, you're not your own. That now you follow my lordship into 2020. So accepting God's invitation into the paths that he has for you in 2020, it's going to require some intention. Now, I know that intention, for whatever reason, has become a word that's got kind of a bad rap, like all we have are good intentions that we never act on. But the word itself is never bad. All right, Intention means, it basically means to have in mind a purpose or a goal. It means to design for a specified future. As you look at 2020, intention means that you're going to look at that you're going to specify what God may have for you that year with his wisdom and his leading. That means he has a design for your year you're going to submit to, that we're going to live with intention. But intention is best expressed with action. Because how many of you have intended to start something and you never did it? You intended to, to have a better start at work, or you intended to do better at school, or you intended to be kinder to your neighbors, and that's where it stayed. Now, I'm all for good intentions, but they have to be put into motion. So every intention needs an action. In fact, here's what we could say to kind of summarize today's message. It's this. Living without God-led intention in 2020 can lead to unintended destinations. Okay? Some of you came to some unintended destinations this past year. Things that you never saw come and things you didn't want to see come. And some of those may have been your own doing. Because if we don't live with a sense of intention and purpose, it may lead to unintended destinations or unintended consequences. I didn't mean for this to happen. Of course. But did you intend for it not to happen? It's a big difference. As we look at another new year, we have this opportunity to say, Lord, what's happened in 2019 has happened, but help me look at 2020 with intention of what you want to do through my life in the coming year. Because if we don't pay attention to him, we're no different than the adulterous woman that the, that the proverbial Solomon writes about. He writes in Proverbs 5, 6, that she gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now, he's talking about an adulterous woman, which may not qualify for all of us in the room, but there's a truth to what he's saying. When we live aimlessly, it takes us places we don't want to go. When we live without intention, it brings consequences that maybe we didn't anticipate or even ask for. We don't want to be aimless. We don't want to give no thought to our way of life. We need to look at this next year with God-led intention. Every day, all day, all week, all month, all year, here's the truth. We make one small choice after another. I love the way that Craig Rochelle in his book, Divine Direction, says it. He says, what is always true is that the decisions that we make today determine the stories we tell about our lives tomorrow. So the decisions you make today tell your story tomorrow. Because what happens is all those small choices we make every day, every week, every month, all those small choices, they all come together and they're written into one group. We'll call it the manuscript of our life. Every choice that we have made has been a word or a paragraph placed into the manuscript of a story of our life. And maybe right now you're going, I don't know if I like my story. I don't like where I'm at at the close of 2019. I'm not real happy with the way the story has taken a turn. But here's the truth. Many of our daily decisions lead to predictable consequences, and for the most part, 
you chose the life you're currently living. Yeah, maybe you didn't chose or choose the illness. Maybe you didn't chose that diagnosis. Maybe you didn't choose for that person to treat you that way. I, I get that. But there are still parts of our story, many parts of our story, that we are the ones with pen in hand writing. One choice, one decision at a time. And if today's story is not the story you want at the close of 2020, a year away, then you need to review what got you here today. As you look back over 2019 and go, I know that chapter is closed, but I better read it again because maybe there's some things there I got to look at that I won't repeat in 2020. Because if I don't like the stories that brought me to this point today, it's time to rewrite the next chapter and not repeat it. So what happens? We need to look back at the, of what happened in 2019 and then prayerfully consider what needs to change. Move your intention of what you want to see happen into action and then trust God with your future, with intention. It's often those small changes that we make at those small choices every day that make a big difference. In fact, here's how I would say this. It's the small choices that no one sees that results in the big difference everyone wants to see. There's probably a you that you want to see in 2020. There's probably a you your spouse wants to see in 2020. <laughs> or maybe your kids want to see, or maybe your coworkers or your boss wants to see. I know there's a 2020 the Lord certainly wants to see. But here's the deal. That big difference everybody wants to see is made one small choice at a time. And all those small choices get woven together and become the tapestry of your life. Let me give you an example. David of the Old Testament, King David. He made some small choices that had big, big consequences to the good and the negative. We won't look at the negative story. We all know that. He made a choice one night to be on a balcony to gaze upon a woman who was bathing and lust after her in his heart. That one small decision led to a cascade of consequences. But there's another story about David that maybe you haven't really looked at. So when he's king, and we find it in 1 Chronicles 14, verse 8. Here's the story. It says that when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. So I want you to hear that. David inquired of God. Now David was a man of military strength. He knew how to handle himself in warfare. He was a wise man. But look at what he did when the enemy forces of the Philistines came. What did he do? He inquired of his greatest leaders among them. Remember, he had mighty men who were around him. Men who did incredible things were surrounding him, flanking him left and right around his leadership. They could have all hatched a great plan that would have completely destroyed the Philistines. But what does David do? He inquires of the Lord. Could you imagine if for a moment the commander of our armed forces, when they're in the heat of a conflict, stops in, the, in, the, in that basement room with all of the other chiefs of staff around them, and they say, stop we got to pray. we got to inquire of God. Could you imagine that? Some might say it's a sign of weakness. Come on, you guys are smarter than that. You've had military experience. You should know what to do. David inquires of God. 
And he prays, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, go, I will deliver them into your hands. So David and his men went up from Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. And he said, as the waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. And the Philistines had abandoned their gods there, and David gave orders to burn them in the fire. Great story. David inquires of the Lord, but the story's not over. Look at where it picks up. Verse 13, once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So this is not the same day. This is a different time. So David inquired of God again, and God answered him. Now, this is what's interesting. God had already given David victory over the Philistines, and he told him a certain strategy to go. I will give you victory. Same scenario presents itself again. The Philistines come. They are a posing threat to David. David could have said, I know what happened last time. God said to go, and I'll give you victory, guys. Let's go. He could have been presumptuous of what God wanted. And he had every right to because God had given him victory last time over this. Same situation. But what does David do? As a man after God's own heart, it says that David inquired of the Lord again. And look what happens. And God answered him, do not go directly after them. What did they do last time? They went directly after them and they had great success. What does God say this time? Don't. Don't do what makes sense, David. Don't go directly after them, but circle around them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. And as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle, because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. So David's fame spread throughout every land, and the Lord made all nations fear him. This is a great story because what we see here is two similar events. Like you look at 2019 and 2020 and go, what's the difference? It's just another year, another set of days. What really is going to be different? And maybe you have a temptation just to go back to what you've done before. It's worked. David had that opportunity, but he didn't. He stopped. He inquired of the Lord. His small decision to stop and inquire. It was a discipline he's had ever since he was a shepherd boy tending sheep, where he would stop and inquire of the Lord. And the Lord gave him direction, and he acted upon it. And what was unique is God gave him a different direction. Rather than saying, yeah, David, same thing, I'm going to give you victory, go for it. God gives him a whole different strategy where God was at work directly in the outcome. Friends, how many of you want God at work directly in the outcome of your 2020? I certainly do. What is that going to require? A small decision to be intentional, to inquire of the Lord. And that small choice that David made every time it came, even when it may not have made sense to do that, because he was a smart military man, he could have just figured it out, but he inquired of the Lord every time. And the Lord answered. Do you know when he didn't inquire of the Lord? When he was standing on the balcony. When he wasn't off to war in the season when kings were supposed to be, and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba, he didn't inquire of the Lord on any of those events. And it was his undoing, wasn't it? 
ultimately. God still has redemption, and we'll look at that as well in our own stories. But the thing that made the big difference that everybody, including the Israelites, wanted to see was his small decision to inquire of the Lord. Now, how does that apply to our life? It might look like something like this. When you choose to forgive your spouse, instead of holding on to resentment, no one sees that happen. No one sees your choice to forgive. But the evidence will be clear in your marriage. Here's another example. Maybe that small decision that you make every day with how you parent your kids, those little boundaries you set, the ways that you confront behavior and set a different way they should be going, training up a child in the way he should go. No one really sees all those daily decisions you make, but they might one day comment, boy, your kids are great. What's the secret? They don't see all the daily decisions you made to correct them, those small course corrections, those moments of speaking into their life, of setting a boundary, of being a disciplinarian. They don't see all of that. They just see the outcome. What everybody else wants to see, well-behaved kids. Boy, how'd you get there? They didn't see the small decisions you made every day that got you there. Or maybe it's the coworkers who see you get a promotion, but they probably didn't see how every day you made a decision not to enter the workplace politics, how every day you chose not to chew on the new gossip around the office, how every day you chose to bring your best to your work and focus. They don't see those small decisions that you've made, but they see the promotion. So isn't it true that all these little decisions come together to become the outcome that everybody wants to see, but every day we make decisions that if we don't stop and think about them, they just kind of happen, right? You've made decisions today already. You've made decisions before you even came here. You've made, in fact, you, many of you decided to be here today, which is probably great because you're going to get challenged in an area of your life that maybe you hadn't thought about. You've made decisions. But here's what's the truth. Many of our decisions we make, we don't look at them and think about them as individual choices because we just make them by routine. How many of you drove the same way here to church today you always drive here? Yeah, why? Because neurologists have discovered that when we come to make a decision, oftentimes it's a little more process-driven while we make the first decision. We're weighing the pros and cons, and our mind helps us do that until we come to what we believe is the best solution for the decision in front of us. And then as often as that presents itself again and again and again, we start responding with a default decision that's been wired into our bodies. That's why every time you stop, you're in a line or you have some downtime, you reach back in your back pocket and you grab this thing and you start looking at it. You don't think, boy, I should grab my phone out of my back pocket, look and see what's happening and how many people are following me now or how many liked that post that I made. No one's making that It's already, it's just, it happens routinely. It's the same reason why you treat each other the same way you do every day in your relationships. It's become a decision that you've made over time. And those decisions are hardwired into us. And the thing is, you, you don't stop and you don't take a moment to look at all these routine decisions you've made that brought you to 2019 the way it is. And you're going, how in the world did I get here? You got here one decision at a time, one small choice at a time that probably happened in routine that you didn't even give any thought to 
The way you sit down at your computer, that mouse click, those websites you visit automatically, you don't even think about it. It's become routine for you now. Those are those small things that we look at and go, boy, that's how I got here. It's those frequent stops to the coffee shop every day, dropping five bucks. You go, boy, why is every month so tight? Well, let's go back and look. Small decisions that we make every day that make a big difference, good or bad. Most of those tiny decisions, we don't think about them. But it's critical to understand this. These seemingly no big deal decisions that we make all the time, over time, they become habits, don't they? And those habits, they have a growing effect. They write our story of our life that we've arrived to today. And rarely do we make one decision that leads to a great life. Same way, rarely do we make one decision that leads to our biggest regret. It's usually a lot of small decisions along the way. You may have never decided to have that affair, but it was one decision at a time that led you there. You may not have decided to have that addiction to that substance or to that source, but one decision at a time led you there. We don't make just one decision and, woo, we got the life we've always wanted. We look at people and think, what's that one secret answer that got you there? And they're going to not be able to point to a single one because they made a bunch of choices over time. It's the little ones along the way, especially the ones that go unnoticed that nobody sees that lead to the big decisions that are either good or bad, that have positive or negative consequences. In fact, you've all heard this. The definition of insanity is this, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's insanity. So many of you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but somehow you think it's going to lead to some magical difference down the road. It's like, no, it won't. That's insanity when you think that you can keep doing the same thing over and over and somehow magically get to some other different story than where 2019 has led you. The truth is, you're one decision away from changing your life forever because those small decisions can make a big difference. One small decision can change a trajectory of your life. Let me give you some examples. This year, take a sack lunch to work. What would happen if you took a sack lunch to work? What you might discover is that your debt is reduced because you took a sack lunch to work. What if you applied one simple internet filter to your home network system? What would that one small decision do in creating a home of purity and safe browsing for you and your kids? One step, one simple action that could have a great outcome. How about that one phone call you should make that will help you to step out of loneliness because you need to connect to somebody? One decision can make a big difference. What about that one moment of, ex- of forgiveness extended that reconciles relationship? That's been in, well, you haven't talked to somebody in a long time. But one act of forgiveness could turn the tide. What about that simple diet change? Just stopping eating certain things. A simple change that could move you to a healthier eating life. Maybe that 20-minute walk. One small change a day that can lead to healthier living. Maybe it's that one doctor visit that you know you need to make that will give you the necessary diagnosis that you need. One decision, friends can often bring an immediate big change. But here's the thing. 
Most of us struggle to connect the small choices we have been making constantly with the big differences that we want to see in our life. We don't. We've got to take it down to the small decision level. If you want to take aim at the life story that God has for you to write in 2020, then you have to submit to his spirit, take a look at those small choices, and begin to choose differently. The best decision that you can make is always the next decision. And I might even add this. The best decision you can always make is the next small decision. The next small one. Do we go out to eat today or do we go home? It's amazing how sometimes those small decisions can be the best one that you make today. And when you understand the negative ways that your past may be influencing your present, then you can look at your past and go, all right, what are the small choices that got me there? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try something new this year. Better choices. And each decision that we make could actually move you closer to the life God has for you in 2020 as we follow him. But here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't stop very often and look at the story of your life. You don't have time because you're too busy living it, right? So you don't stop and look at it. How many times have you watched a movie and talked to the actor or actress through your TV to tell them to stop it? Right? You tell them to don't go there. It's never a smart idea to go alone into a dark woods. Just stop. Or you see this guy, you know he's a shyster. You tell her, look, don't, don't fall for his charm. I know where the story's going. But how often do you talk to yourself about the story you're in and say, don't do that, Kelly. You know, that's a bad, bad, that's going to lead to the same thing it always leads to. Maybe there's somebody else caring enough in your life who's talking to you. But you keep muting them because you don't want to hear it. So often, friends, we don't have our best interest in mind. So we don't see it. We keep playing it over and over and over and over. If your life was recorded as a book, which we kind of know it is. I mean, it's kind of like we're writing chapters every year, every month, however long your chapter is. I love chapters that are one-page chapter books. I love those. I feel like I'm having progress. One of you know, it's like, yes, next chapter. <laughs> Maybe that's how your, your life is. You know, one week's a chapter and you're happy, or one day's a chapter, right? But if your life was a book, what section of the bookstore would it be located? I know oftentimes we don't go to a bookstore and buy books anymore. You go online, you look under categories and try to find the book. But if your book was a story that was, it was stored at the library, for example, where would you go to find it? Would it be in the comedy section? Would it be in the tragedy section? Would it be in the romance? Maybe a documentary, maybe an action thriller. Would it be in the horror section of the library? Would it be in the mystery? I have no idea what's going on with my life, but I think it's in the mystery section. Maybe it's all of the above. Your book keeps moving around depending on which chapter you wrote that week. The librarian's like, oops, we've got to move this over here now to horror because what they just did was terrible. Or they go to romance and go, mm, bad choice. We're going to go over here now to <laughs> tragedy. Yes, exactly. But we don't stop and look at the story we're writing, and we don't say, you know, I don't want my book to be in the mystery section every year. 
I want it to be in the supernatural section. That's where I want it to be. That's where God wants it to be. But we keep writing our stories for ourselves. And it ends up in a place we don't want. So if your story, if your life was a story, or even just talking about last year as a chapter, how would it sound as you read it out? No matter how you describe your story from last year or last month or even last week, here's the good news. Your story is not over because you're still here. And each day is a new opportunity to write a different story, a different decision that happens that sets a whole new chapter into motion. You can transform your story right now with God's help, one small decision at a time. Maybe it will become the story you're not ashamed of. Maybe it becomes a story that actually honors God. So here's the thing. While past events cannot be unwritten, and boy, don't we wish they could, while past events cannot be unwritten, they can be redeemed. That's what Jesus specializes in, redemption. You look at the people that he tapped on the shoulder to follow him. You go, boy, their story was kind of messed up. Some of those stories you'd find in like mystery and horror and tragedy. They tap someone on the shoulder. He says, I'm not, I'm not just looking at your story based on your chapters you've already written. I, I, I know that we can write a better story together. And so he does. Every day. While the past events cannot be unwritten, they can't be edited. They can be redeemed. And we love those stories when those past moments are redeemed, don't we? You can't change your past, but God can help you rewrite your story. We went recently and watched Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. No, I won't give you any spoiler alerts. But I want to go back to an earlier story that's safe to go to back in the, this probably would have been early 80s, late 70s. It's that part of the story you've all seen where Darth Vader, who we've hated all along, right? He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. We hate him. He's made bad choices, right? We see the story of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, right? They're in battle. This would be uh, either second movie or third movie of the original series. And we come to that point. I think it must have been The Last Jedi. I think it's probably the movie. They come to that point where the emperor is trying to kill Luke Skywalker. And all of a sudden, there is this surprise change in Darth Vader, right? What's he do? He defends his son. And he changes and in that moment, we all go, yeah, because the surprise change happened. One decision set a course differently. His story was rewritten. Oftentimes, when we think of Lord Vader, we think of, well, that nice guy who ended the story the right way. Can't always rewrite them, but they can be redeemed. They can be redeemed. Your best decision, friends, is the next one. That'll help you be the person God created you to be. I've heard it said the two biggest mistakes that we can make in life is not starting something and not finishing something. That'd be true for you. Maybe in your life, around your house, you got half-started projects. You got incomplete projects. When it comes to our own stories, our own lives, it's the same thing. Sometimes we haven't started and sometimes we don't end. Those are the two biggest things. But let's not forget how important those small starts are. 
In fact, uh, it was Vincent Van Gogh who said these words, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. And Mother Teresa said it this way, to be faithful in the small things because it is in them that your strength lies. But I like what Zechariah the prophet had to say in Zechariah 4.10 on the screen for you. It said this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You might think, Kelly, I don't know what to do with 2020. Well, start with something small. And don't forsake that one small decision you're going to make to be different this year because God sees those. He rejoices with you because the work is starting and a new chapter is being written. Because behind every great story, there is always another smaller story. And behind that smaller story, there's a smaller decision. And that's just the way that it works. Rarely does success come overnight. It comes with time with discipline, with intention, with hard work. Great events always turn on small hinges. Let me give you an example. We've all heard the story of Noah. We love the story of Noah because he built this big boat and and the animals were spared so we could have our household pets today, right? We all love the story of that. But what was the smaller story behind a boat being built and animals and his family being preserved? It was one man who chose to live righteous in a culture where everybody else mocked God. He made a choice. Way before the boat was even built, way before he made the choice to go to Pars Lumber and buy the stuff he needed, he made a choice to live righteously in a culture that wasn't. That's how he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It wasn't because God saw a man who could build a boat. He saw a man who stood for him when a culture didn't. One small decision. One small story that produces the big story we love. All of us love the story of Abraham, right? The man who becomes the father of the nation of Israel. We love that story. How great that story was, but here's what we don't pay attention to. He left home. He chose to follow God. That was a small story that cascaded into a big story. We love the story of Joseph of the Old Testament who becomes next in command to Pharaoh. We love that story. But you know what? Behind that big story was a smaller story where he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife came calling to tempt him to be with her in a way he knew was not appropriate. And he fled. Small decision. That's what brought him next in command to Pharaoh, by the way. It was through the pathway of being in prison, falsely accused of trying to rape Potiphar's wife that put him next in command to Pharaoh. We don't look at those smaller stories behind the big stories that we love. We can look at the story of Moses, right? We love the story about this guy who went down to Egypt and said, let God's people go, and there was a series of plagues. We love that. But what was the smaller backstory? Moses tending sheep for his father-in-law, doing a menial task. He's watching sheep, and all of a sudden he sees a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. So he steps toward a very mysterious and kind of scary sight, and God calls him. A small story behind a bigger story. I think we can also think of stories like Joshua, who became the conquering young leader after Moses, who led the nation of Israel into their land of promise and conquested all the enemies that were there. We love the story of his leadership, but here's the thing you don't see. The smaller story was Joseph being Moses, or Joshua being Moses' aid, and he would stay in the tent of meeting in God's presence as Moses would come and go. He was a young man who loved God. 
He was the one who, when the commander of the heavenly host came and said, here's the, here's the battle plan, Joshua. Around the walls of Jericho, you're going to march. I know it doesn't make any sense. One small story that leads to the big story that we all love. Friends, the Bible is full of small stories that have led to the great stories. We can talk about Ruth. We can talk about David. We can talk about the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whose small decision not to eat the king's food. I mean, there's all of these small stories behind the big stories that we often don't pay attention to. Here's why I'm saying this to you, because I believe in 2020, God has small stories for you. That if you'll obey him in those small choices and the small stories, he is going to write a big story. And it may not be the story you're writing for yourself right now. But if we'll follow him into his story, every one of these people that we love and celebrate as heroes of the faith, you're going to find them in Hebrews chapter 11. Do you know why they're in there? Because they had one small story that led to another and another and another. What kind of story am I writing that maybe if it was recorded and people read it, would it inspire them to go, wow, look at that? Well, that story started way back here with one small decision. What is your one small decision? If you open your heart, I believe God will gently lead you step by step, decision by decision, perhaps not to the life you want, because sometimes how many know that he directs our paths a bit differently? There's something that he wants for you, but by the time you get there, you're going to want it too. Because that's the way God works. But here's the thing. He lets you choose. He loves you so much, he lets you choose. And some of you, here's what's true. You're going to choose to do the same thing in 2020 as you did in 2019. You're going to choose to just step back on your routine decision-making, and you're going to get the same results this end of this next year that you have this year. Or maybe even some further unintended destinations because you just, you're just going to do that. It's your choice. It was David's and Joshua's and Moses and all these people. It was their choice. God didn't force any of them into the story that became the great story. It was their choice. So what story do you think God wants to tell with your life? And when you look back into 2020 or look into 2020, where do you think God wants you to be? Where do you think he wants you to be? What does God want you to want? What story is he wanting you to join him in in the future? Psalm 25 verse 12 says this, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. So begin to trust and fear God in 2020. He will instruct you in the ways that we should choose. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do with this new year. Here's good news. He will instruct you. But not only that, look at what verse 14 says. The Lord confides in those who fear him. Think about that for a minute. He confides in those who fear him. How many of you have a friend that confides in you? They come and they they share information with you. And you you feel valuable because of that, right? Look at this verse. David recognizes God confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. A small decision today could change your near future or certainly the long year future. So what discipline do you need to start practicing to head you to where God wants you to get? Just one thing. 
Here's what happens. We make a list of resolutions, don't we? And we do like none of them. So pick one. What is one decision you know? Because if you look back at 2019, it's going to become pretty obvious. What is one decision you need to make? What's one change that has to happen that you don't go back and do that again? What's one discipline? What's one new thing you need to start in this new year to have it be the start of something new? And yes, I borrowed that line from High School Musical. Only a few will get that, generally that are my daughter's age and older. There's an interesting story, and I close with this. There's an interesting story in the Old Testament about one of the kings of Israel who was actually a wicked king. His name was Ahab. And a prophet explained to Ahab that God would change Israel's story by giving the enemy army into their hands. But Ahab just couldn't see how that was going to be possible because he had not been a trusting man of God. He'd been the exact opposite. He and his wife, you probably heard of her name, Her name is Jezebel. They were not God-honoring people. Look at 1 Kings chapter 20. I don't have it on the screens for you, but I do have it, the location. Verse 13 says this, Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, which is incredible to me. God still cares about even the wicked. He sends a prophet because he knows that underneath this wicked king are a bunch of people that are God's chosen people. This is what the Lord says Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ahab's not getting it. The Lord just said, look look what he said, I will give it into your hand, is what the Lord said. What's Ahab's comeback? But who will do this? Listen to what I just said, Ahab. I will. But who will do this? So the prophet replied, this is what the Lord says. The junior officers under the provincial commanders will do it. So Ahab kind of missed his opportunity. But he has a follow-up question. Well, uh, well, who will start the battle, he asked. And the prophet answered, you will. Who will start the life of 2020 God has waiting for you? that God is inviting you to, you will. You will start it. It's got to be your one small choice that says, God, I don't necessarily want a repeat of 2019. I don't want a predictable life of 2019. I want to follow you into what you have in 2020. And, And it doesn't have to be some supernatural crazy thing. Sometimes it's simple obedience in a same direction over a long period of time that God begins to bring the story you want. But you got to make a choice. What's your one thing? That one discipline maybe you need to start. Maybe it's inquiring of the Lord. Maybe it's praying on a daily basis. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe you already do those, but you know it's something else he's challenging you to. Maybe it's to give generously. Maybe it's to act kinder to those around you. Maybe it's to share your story of faith with more people this year than you ever have before. I love what Walt Disney says. The way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. All of us are glad that Walt Disney started doing. If he was nothing but talk, we would have missed a whole bunch of stuff. He gets it. 
And the Lord would say, stop, stop talking. Stop intending. Stop just wishing. Start doing. What's the one thing he's calling you to start? Proverbs 16.3 tells us this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So what is the one thing you need to commit to the Lord today? Because he'll establish those plans. You may not know exactly how to get there, but if you're willing to to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this area of my life, that is the one thing. And when you commit that to the Lord, he'll establish the plans. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust the Lord, to not lean on our understanding, but acknowledge him in all of our ways. And what will he do? He will direct your paths, or he'll make your paths straight. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want you to look back over 2019. And ask yourself the question, is this what I intended? Is where I am today where I wanted to be? Is where I am today where God wanted me to be this past year? Only you can answer that question honestly before him today. Only you can. I don't know the answer to that question, but I believe you have a nudging in your soul today. And maybe you feel a challenge before you to start something new. It's not too late. The story was told of an old man. I want you to keep your eyes closed and hear the story. This old man diagnosed with cancer that was going to take his life in a few short days. He comes to a pastor, gets his life right with Jesus. He feels a relief momentarily, but then he's racked with an overwhelming sense as he looked back over his life, and he said, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. That's not the story you want at the close of your life. To look back and say, I've wasted it. So what's the one thing that you need to change this year with God's leadership? He'll direct you. The Holy Spirit's very faithful to speak into our hearts. What is one thing you feel the Lord committing you to today? I'm saying, God, I choose you. In that one area, what's the one thing he's challenging you with? That's the one thing you can bring to him that will be the start of something new in 2020. Here's what I've discovered. One step of obedience that I do, one choice that I make, has often led me to the next and the next and the next because God has been faithful to align those according to his path. He said that. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That's awesome when he does that. Some of you don't feel that, but you need to take a step of obedience right now in one direction. So I just challenge you to bring that before him. Maybe for some in the room today, what you know he's challenging you to do is to trust him because you've walked away from that trust. And you've paved your own life and you've decided to call your own shots and you've decided to thumb your nose at God and say, you don't care about me or my life. And you've, char- you've marched your own this past year and it's not brought you what you've intended. Maybe it's brought you some regrets. It's not working. Maybe the first thing you need to do is just trust him to be your Lord today. And if you're here and saying, Kelly, I, that's where I'm at. I just need 
to trust him and not be my own leader this year, but let him be Lord. If that's you, just with our heads bowed, eyes closed, raise a hand, say, Kelly, that, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. I need to trust him. Thank you. Lots of hands going up. I need to trust him. Thank you. So, Lord, we just pause right here and we do that. We commit to trust you. Because so often we just automatically control our own life. And I know there are things we have to do. I, I get that. But to go throughout our day or our week without even consulting you, we don't want to do that again. So, Lord, we choose right here to trust you. First step of Proverbs 3, to trust you. And when we do that, that means we have to stop leaning on our own understanding. That means we have to stop doing the things we've always done. Stop thinking the way we've always thought. But in all of our ways, to acknowledge you, that means to stop intentionally and say, Lord, I know I've always done this this way, but I stop and I acknowledge you. Direct my steps. So we make that decision today, Lord. We trust you. We give you control of our life. Our life is not our own, as Jeremiah reminded us. It's you who directs our life. So thank you, Lord, as I place my trust in you again. Thank you that you have the ability to take my story and write something different this year. I follow you into that with all of my heart. For others, maybe you're saying, Kelly, there's one thing God's already speaking to me I have to do. I'm going to commit that to him right now. Maybe that's that one thing. Just raise your hand and say, I'm not going to ask you what it is, but just raise your hand and say, I know God's challenging me. There's one thing he's already challenging me with. I'm going to do it. Thank you. Anybody else? I've already sensed it. There's one thing he's challenging me with. I'm going to do. Thank you. Because sometimes that commitment to him is so important. Committing to him. Not just intending and going, boy, I have good intentions. No, we have to move that into his action now. So, Lord, I pray for those who have that one thing, or maybe they're going to discover it this week or into the new year. There's one thing they're going to recognize that has to change. Or there's one thing they need to start doing. And how incredible it would be if we trust you with that one change, and then all of a sudden we find this year bringing us a lot of changes that we're trusting you with, and it's totally rewritten our story. So we trust you with this one we're not going to forsake one small decision, one small beginning, because that's where the work starts. We trust you with it. So, Father, we bring all of this to you. 2020 is before us. Thank you for this year coming. And I pray we'd step into it fully under your leadership and lordship. It may have bends and turns that we don't understand, but we're going to trust you. It may have paths that are confusing for us and are hard, but we'll trust you in all of it because you're writing a new story. We commit to you a start of something new today in Jesus' name. 